Hey, what's up, church family? Y'all ready for today or what? If you are in the room, you know it's daylight savings time and you actually made it. How many of you are upset that it's daylight savings? I don't blame you. When you have kids, you definitely want that extra hour of sleep for sure. But we're going to have a great, great day today to everyone who's with us online. I know that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. I love that Shoreline City now is able to meet people exactly where they are. I love uh, that if you feel uncomfortable being in a room, we have a space for you to be at home with your family and to be able to connect there. I love that we're giving leaders the opportunity to step up in home and neighborhood gatherings all over and in, in Houston and I mean honestly different places all over the globe saying, hey, yes, I want to be a part of making it on earth as it is in heaven. For us as a church family, we don't ever want to be a spectator church. We we don't want to be a church where people are just kind of watching and they're kind of, hey, you're the pastor. You kind of do your thing. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. This is not a circus at all. We were, this is a battlefield that we are all a part of here. So for us as a church family, I want to encourage us to keep taking steps to be engaged, linked in, connected. Uh, some of you may not know this, especially if you're new to Shoreline City, uh, but we've got a number of different campuses and we've been opening these campuses up uh, slowly and in phases in light of everything going on uh, with COVID. So matter of fact, today, our North Campus is uh, doing their first little tester. It's just with Serve Team. Wanna say a huge thank you to all the Serve Team up there showing up early. Just wanna make sure, cause people are like, hey, I'm ready to come back. And then when it's time to open the doors, they're like, well, I'm not ready to come back yet. So let's just go ahead and see. We are working right now on, at our White Rock campus of opening up Littles and Bigs uh, as well. So we've got a little tester going on with that. For those of you who don't know what that is, that's for our, like our next gen uh, ministry where we love on all of our little kids and, you know, elementary and, and toddlers and helping raise them up to be amazing leaders. But also, we have a campus in Antigua, Guatemala, and this weekend is its four-year anniversary. I cannot believe that. We originally sent down just four people, and now that campus has grown into hundreds of individuals, and it's been powerful to see what's happening. So Antigua, we love you so, so very much. We am so, so glad we all get to be on this journey together. And today, I know God's going to do something great in all of our lives. If you have your Bible, open it up wherever you want to open it up. And we're going to jump into this Bible today, and we're going to grow, and we're going to become all that God has called us to be. This is a year of increase for us, Shoreline City, a year of increase. God spoke that over us at the beginning of this year. We felt like this is what he was saying, an announcement that he was making to all of us, that this would be a year of increase. And since it is a year of increase, I wanted to remind all of us uh, that increase does not mean easy. Those aren't the same thing. Sometimes we hear some prophetic words from God. We're like, yes, everything will be simple. Everything will be smooth. There will be no problems. I would dare to say it usually means the exact opposite. 
And it doesn't mean we need to live in fear at all. You can definitely walk in faith, and you can walk in confidence, and you can walk with uh, the, the, the type of courage that God wants you to have. But whenever God is asking us to, to take steps and to become who he's calling us to be and take the ground that he's calling us to take, we need to understand that victory is already ours. Okay, the victory is definitely already won, but just because the victory is won doesn't mean the fighting is completed. You still have to fight. So victory is won, but the fighting's not done, is how, is how I, I, I heard that in my head. I, I just want to make sure we, as a church family, we, as a body, we, as a group of individuals, we, whether we're teenagers or we're college students or we are young adults or we are gray hair or no hair, wherever you may be on the journey, I need us to have some fight on the inside of us. Not interested in us just being some uh, weak, pushover followers of Jesus that at the first sign of a car breaking down or issues going on in our family that we think we throw in the towel. We're the type of individuals that can take that licking and keep on ticking. Those are the type of people that God has called us to be. We, we are the ones that have a backbone. We are the ones that have strength and courage flowing through our veins. And it does not mean our lives are perfect. Man, mine is far from it. How about yours? Is it, I mean, God, I mean, we all want some things to be different in our lives. And in this, this response to increase, in this response to what God is speaking to us as a church, uh, we've been in the month of March in... I guess I'm going to call it a series now. It's not even an initiative. It's just really a, a mission that I think God put on my heart, which was to lock in and let go. Lock in and let go. Everybody say lock in. Lock in. Say let go. Lock in. One more time. Lock in. Lock in. Let go. This, for the month of March, we've been locking in and letting go. This is our response to God saying he wants to increase in our lives. We're saying, okay, God, if you want to do that, then we're going to position ourselves for what you're calling us to do. Uh, this is not something we sat around in a brainstorming meeting and came up with. Honestly, it was, me, it was personal for me. I was just having my own quiet time, my own prayer time, just connecting with God, trying to allow him to shape me and mold me because I'm definitely jacked up without Jesus in my life. So just took some time out, and as I'm praying, I just felt God saying, Earl, I want you to lock in and let go. And I was supposed to lock in on just a couple of things. For me, it was prayer and working out. I was supposed to let go during this month of March of, of, of insecurity and sugar. Do totally different things, but the sugar is coming back. Insecurity, trying to get rid of it. But I can't wait. I cannot wait for some Reese's peanut butter cups. So for me, I, I'm trying to lock in and let go. I've heard of you and your connect groups talking about locking in and letting go at dinner parties, talking about locking in and letting go. You can jump on this journey with us because, again, since God has increased for your life, since he's wanting to do something in your life, I want to make sure we as a church family don't just take that for granted. We want to say, okay, God, what do you want to do in us and through us? What do you need to get out of the way? What do you need to put on the inside of us? What focus do you need for us to have? That's that's why we're reading through the book of Nehemiah. We did it. Uh, if you were following along from the very first of this month, that means you are now done, and we are transitioning into the gospel of Mark, and we're reading these two books of the Bible to keep on pushing ourselves over to allow God to change us and transform us so we can become who he's calling us to become. I, I want you to open up your Bibles, though, to Matthew chapter 22. 
Matthew chapter 22. We're going to begin reading in verse number 34. If you didn't bring your Bible, put the scripture on the screen so that you can follow along with us. Matthew 22, verse 34, it says, hearing, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Verse 37, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, I've got just a few minutes we're going to connect and talk today. and I, It's around this thought. This one thing. This one thing. A teacher of the law comes up and he says, what is the greatest commandment? Another way of putting it is, Jesus, what's the most important thing about life? What's the meaning of life? In the midst of all we walked through in 2020, I'm sure some of us have been asking that question. It's like, what the heck? Why am I here? What am I doing? Because <laughs> this is a bunch of beep, 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 beep. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't sign up for this. Whatever this is, I did not sign up for it. <laughs> Whatever's been going on, it, it, can, it can leave, okay? I, I'm not interested in what has been happening. And, and you and I and, and teenagers and college students are asking this question, what is all this about? What is life really all about? What, what, what's the meaning of life? And I don't want us to be afraid to ask these questions. Sometimes in the church, people want to be afraid of these types of questions. They want to shy back and just kind of stick a Jesus, uh, uh, stick a Jesus sticker on everything and just say, don't feel anything, don't ask any questions, just, just shut your mouth and keep walking forward. But I want to encourage you, keep on asking questions so your faith is not a surface faith, it's a faith that actually goes deep. Because if your faith does not work in the real world, then it's not faith at all, okay? We, we, don't, we don't show up on Sundays and tune in on Sundays, and we're not in connect groups so we can just kind of fake it. We are a part of a movement to make it on earth as it is in heaven, and we want our faith going so incredibly deep so that no matter when the, the waves and the winds and the craziness of the world comes, we're not uprooted, we say planted in our walk and our relationship with God. These verses here in Matthew chapter 22 that I just read to you, these are keys to your fulfillment. These verses that I just read are keys to you understanding the meaning of life. What I just read are critical for you uh, stepping out of the fog of life and getting the clarity that you're searching for. When you want to actually make a difference, you want to make an impact, you want to be a person that, that makes a difference in the world, the scriptures that we just read have everything to do with you fulfilling the purpose that you have on the inside of you. So Jesus here is asked, what is the most important aspect of life? And notice what he didn't say. 
He didn't say career. He didn't say church attendance. He didn't say bank account. He didn't say marital status. He didn't say baby. He didn't say puppy. He didn't say cat. Surely he did not say cat. Not the person cat. Cat, we love you. I'm talking about the felines, cat. Surely he didn't say that. And all the cat people are now mad at me. I don't know why God made cat people. Nah, wait, no, no. I know why he made cat people. We need them. Uh, I just don't know why he made cats. Uh, they are an interesting creature for sure. He didn't say career. He didn't say neighborhood you lived in. He did not say promotion. He didn't say Instagram followers. Man, he did not say YouTube subscribers. He did not say retirement plans. He did not say your happiness. He did not say political party. He did not say politician. He did not, we can go down the line of all the things Jesus did not say when asked the question, what is the most important thing in life? He did not go to any of the temporary things your mind goes to or my mind goes to. He went to something so significant, so next level, something so deep, and something that is so obvious, but something that's missed so easily. He said, what I need you to do is I need you to love the Lord your God more than you love everything else and you love everyone else. I need the Lord your God to have your whole heart, your whole soul, your whole mind, your whole strength. I need God to be first in your life. I need the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to be primary. I need the one who made everything for you to be submitted and yielded to him. I need the God who put breath in your lungs to be the reason that you get up in the morning. And yes, you'll want to make a difference in the world. And yes, you want to help the hurting. But at the end of the day, I need your motivation not just to be to make a difference in this world, but to live for someone and something that's greater and bigger than you could ever possibly imagine. Do not live for the temporary things of this world. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Stop giving yourself to all these things that do not matter and give yourself completely over to God. And when you do, when you do that, then you find life. That's when you find it. But we want to do things on our own terms. We want to change the rules. We want to say, oh, God, God, okay, God, God, come on, all right, all right. God, I, I like you. I love her. <laughs> she don't know it yet, and it's a little bit creepy, but I love her. I, I like you, God, but I love my position in the company. I like you, God, but I love you fill in the blank. So Jesus is saying one thing, and culture is saying something different. 
Now, now he also said, you know, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And we looked at that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you can go to the, the message, the cold shoulder, if you want to uh, kind of unwrap that piece. But, but, for, but before he even says that, and those two things are, are wrapped together. But he, he, first, he first goes, before he talks about neighbor, he, he talks about God. He talks about God. Man, he talks about, he talks about God. Imagine you were sitting with Jesus. You're at a coffee shop somewhere in Antigua or at a coffee shop somewhere in California. And Jesus, you know, walks in with his dreads and he's sitting there. And I guess maybe he's driving a Subaru. I don't know. And you meet, you meet for coffee and you sit and you talk and you're like, hey, Jesus, I got this going on in my life. And I got this going on in my life. And I got that going on in my life. And I, I've been thinking about this, Jesus. And, and he's listening to everything you have going on in your life. He's listening to everything I might have going on in my life. And then we say, Jesus, can you make sense of all the this and the that's of my life? Can you make sense of all the things that I'm wrestling with? Can you make sense of all the weights that I have on my shoulders? Can you make sense of all the dreams that I have in my heart? I have these gifts, and I'm not sure what to do with them. I have these insecurities, and I haven't been able to shed them. I have these fears, and I have haven't been able to dodge them. Can you help me make sense of my life? And Jesus would look you in the eyes and he would look me in the eyes and he would say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. No, Jesus, no, no, no. You're going to have to give me something else. You're going to have to give me something else, Jesus. You're going to have to give me, I need like an Instapot kind of thing, Jesus. I, 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 need, I need to be able to put in some kind of food, and it's an air fryer, and it's four minutes, and you need to, you need to cook something up real quick so that I can take a pill. Jesus, I want to take a pill. That's what we do. Jesus, you must not know. <laughs> you must not know. What we do, Jesus, is we take pills, okay? We do not work through things. We take pills. Nothing against taking pills. But we, don't, we, 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 we want to make sure, Jesus, I get something quick. Do not tell me. Do not ask me to remove from my heart the throne, the idols that I put on my heart. I want to live, I want to have the life that you destined for me to have, but I want to live on my own terms. So I need you to keep everything the same, but still tell me how, how do I make sense of my life? He's saying, hey, uh, I don't have a shortcut for this one. What I have for you is very, very clear. Love God most first above all. And until you do, things just don't make as much sense as you would want them to. There's this very awkward story in the Bible. There's a bunch of awkward stories in the Bible. That's one of the reasons I like the Bible. It's like, hey, here I am. You know, you got those family members that walk in and they're just kind of crazy. It's like, <laughs> but, but you appreciate them because it's like, hey, at least you, 
They are honest about who they are, fully comfortable in their own skin. We wish they weren't as comfortable, but they're fully comfortable. I respect people like that. So the Bible is just like, here, here I am. Crazy stuff, okay? Can we just acknowledge there's some crazy stuff in the Bible? See, y'all looking at me like, I, no, there's no, I believe it all. Yeah, I, I believe it all too, but there's some things that you read and you're like, wait, I thought God was loving. Why? I thought, it's okay to wrestle with that. It's okay. God, he's not even up there like, I got to protect my reputation. Let me take that out. 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 How do I, how do I make this as palatable for the people? He's like. I like it. So uh, it's like me yeah, playing basketball yesterday. And um, had a good time. I had, had a really good time. I got to play with my, uh, o- my oldest son, too, which is great. And so 16, you know, it's like a dream. I'm out there, you know, playing basketball. I'm sore right now, but I'm out there playing basketball. And I'm old, y'all. I'm, I recognize that I'm now like the old guy on the court. And I knew it when I was dribbling down the court <laughs> like this. But, but you can't get around this right here. This is old... Old school basketball, come on, anybody with me, 80s, 90s basketball. When you dribbling like this, and these little guys, I'm like, no, you can do all you want to do. I bring you right under the basket. Uh, Leroy, if you're in the room right now, you know what I'm talking about, because I did it to you. I did it to you. I am what I am on the court, okay? I don't have all this Kyrie stuff. I don't have all that. So... So there is a story in the Bible that is weird, okay? In Genesis 29, you don't have to turn them. I'm just going to tell the story. Uh, it talks about uh, the story of this man named Jacob. And he, and he falls in love with a woman named Rachel. Rachel has a sister. Her sister's name is Leah, okay? So Jacob has fallen in love with Rachel, he sees her at work. He's like, mm, mm, mm. God, you're good to me. I didn't know when I got this job, I, Rachel was going to be here, Lord. Wow. Thank you, Lord. So, you know, he's, you know, sending her random emails every now and then and hits her up on Slack, you know, and gives her, you know, he brings the coffee to her meeting, but he's really not even in the meeting, but just brings the coffee. And, and, and he's really excited about, about, about Rachel. And, and the dad's like, hey, you can marry her. I just need you to work for me for seven years. Just work for seven years. She's yours. He's like, Okay, which is, you know, unique for some of us. Like, what do you mean she's yours? She's her own woman. She can say, okay, it's just different times, okay, okay? Again, the Bible's like, here I am. God was just working with the brokenness of the day, just so you know. That's the way the world was, so he was just working within the brokenness, the same way he does today, okay? So that's why when you see, when God uses you, it's just him using the brokenness of the day. It's the same thing. So... Here he is. Dad's like, you can marry her. You got to work for me for seven years. He's like, okay, I'm going to do it because I love her. 
Oh, she's fine. I love her. I love her. I love her. I love her. She makes me feel so good inside. I mean, I've been looking on eHarmony. I've been on Tinder, but I'm not, now I see Rachel. I don't want to swipe right. I don't want to swipe left. I want to turn my phone off. This is the only woman for me. And he works for seven years. They have the wedding day. He is now married. He wakes up the next day. It wasn't Rachel. It was Leah, the sister. Okay? You thought you couldn't recognize people with masks on. <laughs> like, who, who are you? I'm your father. Oh, man, Dad, I didn't even recognize you got that mask on. So he, he, the woman he loves, he does not recognize it's her on their wedding night. Wakes up the next day, somebody different. He ends up actually working another seven years uh, to actually be able to marry uh, Rachel. But, but he, here's a thought, here's a thought. This guy, Jacob, he, he thought he was marrying one person. But he woke up and he actually was married to someone else. So it is with our idols. So it is with the things that we're pursuing in our life. We are living our lives and we think we're marrying one thing. In five years, seven years, 10 years, 15 years down the road, we wake up and we realize I did not marry who I thought and what I thought I was marrying. Now, if you're, you know, 22, right now, you think you're marrying the right thing. You think that my dad did this, my mom did this, here is the career of our family, this is what we do, this is how we live, this is where we go, this is our path, and I'm telling you this path leads to this amount of income, and I'll have six figures by this age, and then after I have those six figures, I'm gonna invest here, and after I invest there, then that investment is gonna get me here, and then once I get there, then I'm gonna get my second home, and then after that, I'm gonna get kids, and then after that, I'm get it all mapped out. And then there are plenty of 32 and 35 and 37 and 42 and 54 and 60-something-year-olds that wake up and go, oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. Who I thought I was marrying is not who I married. The purpose and the life and the strength and the hope and the meaning that I thought this was going to give me. What it's like, what it's like when you, when you, when you have something or someone in the place of God, it is like you going to bed with your dream. But you wake up the next day or years later, and you wake up to the hard, sickening reality. This is not who I thought I was marrying. 
uh, I'm not trying to be heavy, but I am trying to be helpful. I am trying to be helpful. Because one day, I'm going to stand before God. And he's going to ask me, Earl, what did you do with the kids that I gave you? What would you, would you do with the kids I gave you? Did you make it a circus? Did you just try to entertain everybody? Did you try to make everybody like you? Did you try to get big numbers? Were you actually about loving my kids? And helping them to fall more in love with me? I honestly felt, I felt this I, when I was praying. I felt God speak it to my heart, not audibly. It wasn't like, oh, not, not, not like that at all, not like that. <laughs> the room did not shake. <laughs> I just felt it in my heart. Earl, Earl, I need you. I, I need you to help your people. The people that I put in your hands, the people that I've given you the opportunity to serve, I need you to help them to understand that I'm everything so I can release to them everything. Help them to understand that I'm everything so that I can release to them everything. You have no idea what God has in store for you. You have no idea the, the amount of influence and favor and strength that God has for you. You have no idea the amount of love and mercy and truth and hope that God has for you. You have no idea how much your Father in heaven loves you and is for you. Or maybe you do have an idea because the cross reminded you that if he was willing to give his own son, would he not graciously along with him give us all things? Maybe you do have an idea. And I'm telling you, if you and I can get to the place where we understand that God is our everything, there is a relationship least of everything that he wants to put in your hands because then he can trust you. Now you and I aren't taking the blessings that he's given us and hoarding the blessings and making the blessings the idol. Instead, we recognize who gave us the blessings so I can freely share this because God gave it to me anyway. I don't have to hoard it. I don't have to be stingy. I don't have to keep it to myself. Every bit of forgiveness that I've been given, I can pass it on to somebody else because I know there's plenty more where that came from. Okay. So in your life, in my life, in your life, in my life, God has so much in store. But if you and I keep thinking, this job will save me. Let me go to bed with this job. This will save me. Let me go to bed with this church. This church will save me. Oh, this church is going to save me. It might feel like I'm kind of, you know, shooting myself in the foot. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Because if you get a right understanding of who God is, everything else falls into line. I'm not concerned about church attendance. I'm concerned about where your heart is in relationship with God and who's on the throne of your heart. Because if I can get God on the throne of your heart, then you and I, baby, we can do some work. We can go where God is calling us to go and do what he's calling us to do. We can kick down the gates of hell like we've been called to kick down. But right now, I'm having a hard time kicking down gates of hell because folks are like, nah, nah, man, nah. I didn't sign up to kick down gates. Gates. I signed up for my empire, not his kingdom. 
And I'm going, no, 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 we got it wrong. And so I'm not even mad. I'm not even mad. I got sucked into this. I've been sucked into it. When, when all the people weren't in the room during the pandemic, when there was no, there were no people in the room, there was, there was nobody, I had to go, whoa, 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 whoa. How much of my worth and value was connected to the people in the room? How much was I relying on the people in the room to validate what God had put on the inside of me? Oh, I had to get on my own knees and say, God, instead of somebody else's knees, I had to get on my knees and I had to repent and say, God, I am sorry that I've allowed some other things to creep into my heart that I didn't even realize creeped into my heart. It was like a slow burn that you don't even realize is happening. But so I say, God, thank you for 2020. As hard as it was, you were able to get some things off of the throne of my heart that were on there that I didn't even know were on there. It's not the job that's going to save me. It's not the church that's going to save me. It's not a promotion that's going to save me. It's not some certain money in the bank account that's going to save me. It's not some tattoo that's going to save me. It's not some freedom that's going to save me. It's not some political party that's going to save me. It's not some anniversary. It's not some this or that. There ain't nothing that can save us but Jesus. That's it. That's it. Jacob worked all those years, all those years, and he thought he was marrying one thing. He woke up. He's like, whew. I married the wrong one. So I want us to be a people that we marry the right one. Let me make it really practical for a second, okay? Because some of you are like, okay, okay, okay. This is good. Help me. Help me. I, 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 as I make this really, really practical, let, let, me, let me tell you this. When you and I give our whole heart to God, it's fascinating to me that he actually expands your capacity to be able to give your all to everyone that you need to give your all to. But when you and I give our heart to other things first, you and I do not have the capacity to actually do all he's called us to do because giving it to things shrinks our heart. Giving it to God expands our hearts. I'm not sure how it works. I don't know. I just know I've seen it. We're having dinner with uh, Summer and Alan Graham. They're a part of our White Rock campus. We love them uh, so much. It was Alan's birthday, so we got to celebrate him. He's just one of the best people uh, on the planet. And we got to celebrate him, and he was saying, he didn't even know I was preaching on this, and he was like, people ask us all the time how we're able to do all we're able to do. Because those folks are running around. Y'all, they, they got plenty of stuff going on. But there they are, leading ushers and serving and and uh, got the one class, which is our premarital, premarital class. And uh, they got kids, they got their jobs, they got thriving business, they got all these different things that are going on in their life. But you know who's first? God's first. And because God is first, it's fascinating how their heart has the space and the capacity to do everything God is calling them to do. And the people that make other things first 
Look at them and marvel and go, I could never do that. You're right, you couldn't because you have not yet put God first. And it's not until you put God first that you have the capacity to do the things that you've been called to do. Uh, let me make it practical. Let me make it practical because I had some stuff about uh, pies I wanted to share with you all and drive throughs and all kinds of things, but I don't have time for none of that. Let me tell you, first and foremost, priority. 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 How to make God first? Priority. Make him your priority. Make him your priority. Your first, God. Your first. Your first. Your first. You get the first part of my day. You get the first part of my money. You're the first part of my thought. You're just my priority. You're my priority. You're, my, you're not my afterthought. You're my priority. You're not my side piece. You're my priority. Availability. God, I'm at your service. I'm at your service. What do you need me to do? Where do you need me to go? What do you need me to give? Where do you want me to stop? Where do you want me to begin? All of this gets fleshed out, not in some weird spiritual way where now you're disconnected from the world. You actually are able to love the world better. So husbands, you become a better husband. Wives, you become a better wife. Business leaders, you become a better business leader. Teenagers, you actually step more into the purpose and the call that God has on your life. College students, things get more settled in your soul. I'm not saying everything's perfect. I'm just telling you things get in alignment. Last but certainly not least is vulnerability. Stop faking it. Stop keeping God out of the inner parts of your life. Stop wearing the masks. <laughs> Figuratively speaking. Stop feeling like you're, you need to perform. It's like, no, God. With you, I'm open, I'm honest, where I'm afraid, I'll say I'm afraid. Where I feel called, I'm going to say I feel called. Where I feel strong, I'm going to say I feel strong. But God, all of it, I just give my whole heart to you. Priority, availability, vulnerability. I'm telling you, these things will help us. Love the Lord our God, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. You don't have to get rid of your mind to follow him. He just wants your mind focused on him. Everybody say lock in. Let go. Say lock in. Let go. We're going to become who God is calling us to be, and we're going, to, we're going to fulfill the plan and purpose that he has on our lives. We are. We are. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Bow your heads for just a moment. Antigua and Houston and Nashville and Kenya, Nigeria, Bahamas, Plano, Northern California, Southern California, Michigan, Atlanta, wherever you are. 
Let's pause for just a moment. Have you surrendered your heart and your life to Jesus? Have you made him first? Have you made him number one? Have you put Jesus Christ in the driver's seat of your heart and the driver's seat of your life? I'm not asking, do you think you're a good person? I'm not asking, do you have a Bible? I'm not asking if you've been to church or if you were confirmed. I'm asking, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Have you recognized your need for a Savior? Said, I don't want to go my own way. I want to go his way. I don't want to be on my own path. I want to be on his path. I do not want to be first in my life. I want Jesus Christ to be first. If that's you, you've never given your heart and your life to Christ. Or at one point in time you did, you slipped away, and today you're saying, I want to give my heart and my life to Jesus. On the count of three, no matter where you are under the sound of my voice, I want you to do something simple but something bold. On the count of three, I literally just want you to throw your hand in the air and say, yes, that's me. Ready? One, two, three. Just put your hand in the air. You're saying, yes, that's me. I want to give my heart my life to Christ. Antigua, in this room, north, wherever you may be, come on, it's a moment of salvation, a moment of transformation. I'm going to ask everyone to do me a favor. Put your hand over your heart if you would not mind. I'm going to ask everyone to repeat this prayer out loud after me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I've made mistakes. And today, I give you my heart I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, can we clap our hands with enthusiasm?